We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Field of 68. Field of 68 till I die. You got somebody. Hey, Jeff, shut up. No. I'm sorry, man. I'm blacked out for a second. This is Coach Bruce Pearl. I love the field of 68 after dark. I listen to it all the time. This is Duke head coach John Shire. Check out Field of 68 after dark. This is Xavier head coach Sean Miller. I highly encourage you to take a look at After Dark, led by the one and only John Phantom. Now, listen to you guys every morning when I'm getting ready. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors. This is Field of 68 after dark. Oh, yes, it is the Field of 68 After Dark on this Wednesday, February the 22nd, 2023. I can hear the let's get ready to rumble in my head tonight that comes from Gamble Pavilion on game nights because I'm John Fanta coming to you from my home in New Jersey. But tonight we have presence from the place that they call the basketball capital of the world on After Dark. Rob Dalster comes to us from Connecticut, in stores from inside Gamble, where tonight the Yukon Huskies earned their 21st win and did it in emphatic fashion. They get revenge on Providence, 87-69. to 69. The Huskies, 10-7 and 7 in the Big East. They've separated themselves into the top five uh, of the conference. And Yukon made a statement tonight, Rob Doster. Made a statement. It was for my money, the best that we've seen this team play since probably Portland, you know? I think that's probably what it was when they were beaten up on the likes of Alabama and they were beaten up on the likes of Iowa State. And it was nice to see them kind of get their swagger back, right? Like, it's been a while since we've seen that UConn team show up playing that way. Uh, now, a lot of it probably had to do with the fact that they were playing in this building with everybody wearing the same color white, with everybody swinging their towels, and with everybody uh, enjoying the $2 Miller lights that were going around. Uh, it was actually pretty funny at tip-off. Um, I would say a good 30% of the lower bowl seats were empty, but the concourses were completely packed because everybody was in line <laughs> trying to get their next beer. Um and a lot of people made the right decision to grab two at a time every time that they went up there to grab it. I saw a lot of people double fisting. But I'll, I'll say this about UConn. I, I've kind of been steadfast on this. When Tristan Newton shows up and when Tristan Newton is really good, it changes what UConn is. And when Andre Jackson is playing with his shoulders back and his chest out and he's playing, I, I, I said it on Top Dogs, I said it on my podcast. When he's playing like he's Andre effing Jackson instead of just Andre Jackson, that's when UConn is at their best. When they get that Tristan, and when they, they get that Andre Jackson. Because, like, you know what you're going to get from Adama Sonogo, right? I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that necessarily is, like, the most dominant player on the floor. Um, But you know what you're going to get from him. He's solid. You're gonna He's going to give you a post-release, right? You're going to be able to get passing from him out of the high post. He's going to be a good positional defender. He's going to rebound. He's going to block some shots. And you know what you're going to get from Jordan Hawkins. Some night he's going to go 7 for 10 from 3. Some nights he's going to go 2 for 10 from 3. But you're going to get him running off of those screens. You're going to get the open looks. You kind of know what you're going to get from those two guys. But when Tristan Newton plays great, and he wasn't great tonight. He was just he was good. He wasn't great tonight. But he was he played with that confidence. Same thing with Andre Jackson. When you get it from those two guys, those are the difference makers, I think, John. There's nobody in college basketball. Nobody in college basketball 
whose energy when on is a direct parallel to what his team ends up doing, then Andre Jackson's energy, hustle plays, his ability to get out on the run mm-hmm. can do for this Connecticut team. It says it all that in 33 minutes tonight, he took a total of three shots. Mm-hmm. He had four points, six rebounds, four assists. This wasn't some absurd scoring game. But Rob, his floor game, he does the things that make you continually say, wow. Wow. The, 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 the big thing with him is is it's it's the defense, right? It is the presence that he gives you rebounding. Like he shut off the water for Devin Carter. Devin Carter is a very Devin Carter is in, in my mind is going to end up being an NBA player. Like I think he's one of the best defenders, the best perimeter defenders you're going to find in college basketball. He is a guy that can create his own bucket, that can make threes, that can play off the bounce. He's got long arms. He's athletic. He's got that NBA pedigree because of who his dad is. And Andre Jackson shut the water off for him tonight. And it was to the point. I've honestly, I swear I've never seen this out of a Providence team before, but like those, I don't want to say they quit. That's the wrong way to phrase it. But there was like a level of, man, we're just not going to get it this time. But like four minutes left in that game, Bryce Hopkins is walking up the floor. Devin Carter's walking up the floor. Um, I think you heard in the press conference, Ed Cooley kind of called him out a little bit on it. Like that's, that's not what you expect out of this team. And to me, that, that is what UConn was doing to teams earlier in the year. And I don't know if this is necessarily like them being, I'm doing air quotes here, them being, being back or whatever. But that was, that was the best UConn performance we've seen since we didn't really know what they could be. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, which is my question to you. Is UConn's best the best in the Big East? Um. I don't think so. I, I'm still, I know that they just lost. I still think Creighton is the best team in the league. And Mark, like, how can you argue with Marquette? Like, how can you argue with the team that is, we know how good Providence is. We know how good Creighton is. We know how good UConn is. Um, we know how good Xavier is. And Marquette is two games in front of all of them. Right? Yeah. Yes. I think one of the things I took away last night, Fanta, from, and, and not to get off this game, but one of the things I took away from last night yeah. was the ability that Marquette has to create turnovers when they need to. I don't think that they're a great defensive team because I don't know if they have that many great defensive players. And they don't really have the rim protection that they had last year. And when you get out and you pressure and when you get out and you overplay, it's really important that you have that, that element of rim protection to take that away. Uh, but man, that when they, when they decided to guard last night, there wasn't really all that much that Creighton was able to do. That was, that was as impressive of a second half as I've seen on the road in that building, in front of 18,000 people, down by 12 with four minutes left in the first half. Man, I don't know. I, I, I'm just – I've, I've been steadfast on this, and I've been called a homer about this. I think that the top of the Big East is the best conference, like as good as – better than the Big 12. I think the top four, maybe five in the Big East when UConn's playing like this, is better than the top four or five in the Big 12. You can call me crazy. You can call me homer. You can call me whatever you want, but it's – it's this is a very 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 good league at the top if it's not one it's certainly two and i would say from an entertainment value standpoint that's just it it's that when these teams are getting together the entertainment value of the college basketball for those who are saying out there that oh because certain blue bloods are down college basketball suffers you're not watching some of the games every single week the big east is Mm -hmm. delivering the goods these marquee matchups have been fascinating to watch. Your first half tonight was really interesting. Jared Bynum was red hot. He hit his first four threes, and, and Providence was in it. I think, to your point, for UConn to score 50, 50 in the second half of the game, that's where they suck the life out of Providence tonight. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that that, um, that had more to do with just it, – it, like, this was not Providence's night. And you're allowed to have a couple stinkers like that. And I know, like, they lost the they lost the game to St. John's. They didn't play great in that game. Um, they did not play great in this one. And this is not, like, the, a good time to have those moments when you are not playing well, right? This is kind of when you want to be peaking and you want to be streaking in the right direction. Uh, but, I, like, big picture, I am not worried at all about Providence, at all. And to be frank, I think that the – 
the the reaction that you're going to get from Ed Cooley as a result of of this performance is going to be a good thing overall for Providence because it kind of woke him up a little bit, right? Like, I I sure as hell do not want to be in the practice tomorrow. Like, good luck with that, man. That is not going to be fun. Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about Providence at all. Like, not not even a little bit. Because and because here's why, Fana. Yep. Jared Bynum is. Like, that dude is a killer. We've seen what he can do. We know what he can do. He's done it over and over the years. Um, Last year, he was sensational in big moments, right? And I think today, he didn't play great in the second half, but he hit three huge threes when it looked like UConn was trying to be able to, like, pull away a little bit. Like, big momentum-killing threes. Ones when he lets the ball go, and was like, ooh, that's a big one. You know how you say that sometimes when you're watching a game? He hit three of those. Devin Carter, like I said, I think he's an NBA player. I think he's going to play in the NBA. I think he is terrific. I would make, the, I've, I've said, I think Andre Jackson is the best defender in college basketball when he's playing his best. I think Devin Carter is somewhere in that conversation as well. Like yeah. he, I, I tweeted this out. He looks like he is the biggest pain in the ass to deal yes. with when he's guarding you. Like, come on, man. looks like that sucks. And then Bryce Hopkins is an all American. He's a second round pick, maybe a borderline first round pick. And I think you can make the argument that, when it comes to just straight up being able to get a bucket, he is as good as anybody in this conference. I, I think he might be, he might be the best player. I don't know if he's going to be the biggest player of the year. I think you got to give that to Tyler Kolick, but he's as good as any. I'm not worried about them at all, at all. Three things before we get to Dan Hurley. Number one, Biggie standings check, folks. Marquette is now firmly in the driver's seat. They're well on their way to their first Big East regular season championship in a decade. Golden Eagles at 14 and three. Xavier Creighton and Providence all at 12 and five. UConn at 10 and seven. Seton Hall at nine and eight. Villanova at eight and nine. And I go deeper into the standings, folks, because how things shake out here. Because now we know Marquette's going to win the regular season. Now it's it's like, okay, who's going to have to play Villanova in the conference tournament? Because all of a sudden that matchup has totally changed. Second thing on UConn. They out-rebounded Providence 40-20 to 20 in this game. They handled Ed Croswell in this game really, really well. They dug in defensively. They were there in the right places. And that's where Sonogo just played. He played such a good game, a good floor game tonight. And then the third thing is nobody for Connecticut had more than three fouls in this game. Mm-hmm. That's big. I was, I was nervous for a second because our guy came at Kevin McNamara um kmac sports he like he, great job as good as anybody covering providence uh he tweeted out um providence leads the big east in free throw rate they haven't taken a free throw yet today with 18 minutes left in the second half and and it immediately led to a run of like out of seven possessions providence shot 11 free throws and i'm just sitting here like kmac come on man you jinxed it can you tell me what the lottery numbers are going to be tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> he, pr- he probably could hey I want to hear this interview. This is the interview that I'm looking forward to hearing because our Rob Dowster, who's wearing his number 15 Kemba Walker jersey tonight in Gamble Pavilion, he caught up with the leader of the Huskies who's got a team that could be very dangerous in March, Dan Hurley. Here's that one-on-one exclusive conversation. Now let me welcome onto the field of 68 after dark, UConn head coach Dan Hurley. Dan, first and foremost, I got a little bit of a bone to pick with you. (laughs) I uh, didn't realize that we were doing the whiteout, so I had the road, the, the road blues on. Road blues, and yeah. we should have had the throwback whites. Yeah. I needed it. I needed it. I, I went to the store. I went to the store, to look, and they, all they had was the Rudy Gay one. And I was like, I already got the Kemba jersey, right? Oh, man. Yeah. I, you, know, you are you're a super fan. I, anyway. I tried my damnedest up there to not go nuts, yeah. right? Yeah. It didn't really work all that well, but, yeah. you know, I kept it subdued, respectful. Right? January must have really sucked. For oh you. yeah, it was it was rough. <laughs> oh, it was rough. So let's let's talk about that. So um, you, you mentioned it in the press conference, right? You had the three home, uh, home games or road games against the top four teams. Always tough. Yeah. St. John's game, Seton Hall game. How have you turned it around? Like what what has changed? Yeah, I just think uh, I think it's a, a, a culture. Number one, I think we uh, you know we pride ourselves on how connected we are. And, mm-hmm. The fact that we work our ass off 11 months a year as a program to be able to weather the storms that come up during the season. And, you know, listen, we had a joy ride through the non-conference and, uh, and the start of Big East play, and I think the schedule caught us. Um, you know, you throw in that 
to the, the game again at Excel versus St. John's, and mm -hmm. I still just have a, a hard time wrapping my mind around our performance that day. But um, I think you go through hard times, and uh, as long as you've got some character, it makes you tougher. Tristan has really gotten it going over the course of the last three weeks. We know UConn point guards. We know your offense is so important when you have that lead guard. What does he provide and what does he change now that he's – it seems like he's more aggressive getting to the basket. Yeah, I mean, we need him to. I mean, we need him to be able to play off script uh, a little bit more. Um, you know, we, we, there's no secret to what we do offensively. We run a lot of things to you know, create opportunities for our shooters, for mm -hmm. Jordan and, and for Caravan and to get post-ups and to, for Adama and to get Donovan in the ball screen game rolling at the rim. But – you know, the coaches that we play against are really good, man. They, uh, you know, they take away a lot of the best things that you want to do, and the you know, player's got to make plays off mm -hmm. script, and uh, he's done a much better job of that. Seems like Andre is playing with a little bit more, I don't know if confidence is the right word, but he's back to being his flying around, yeah. for lack of a better term, just messing shit up for the other team defensively, right? Yeah, I think I mean, that's what he's at his best. That's what he does. How, has that been um, a coaching thing? I mean, like, how, how have you gotten him going again? I think you just tell him you love him and, you know, and you're – uh, you know, your impact is so much more than you know, points or field goal attempts or a guy standing in the lane when they're guarding you, I think. Um, you know, it, it was a little bit of a mind issue for him. It's, it's, it's such a unique thing when you're mm -hmm. guarded like that. And th there is a remedy to it. Um, you know, you put yourself in the dunker spot. You go out and be a screener on the perimeter. You could also get the ball off the defensive glass and push that thing mm -hmm. as hard as humanly possible. And, and create before they go stand under the rim. So, uh, you know, he's one of the most exciting players in the country, even uh, when he's not scoring points. What does Jordan Hawkins run the mile in? <laughs> it's got to be like like 355, something like that? Yeah, he's such a unique player, man. It's like, uh, you know, you don't want to compare him to to people in terms of being able to shoot on the, off the move like, you know, like a Clay Thompson. Or But, I mean, how many college players um, – can run off of actions at the speed he can, and then the, the answer. The answer is zero, by the way. The I answer is zero. Just even, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. I mean, over the last <laughs> just a couple of years, still much mm -hmm. just talking about like current. So, uh, you know, I, I think he uh, he went through some highs, some lows during the year, and I, I think he's uh, he was starting to play like maybe like an early uh, like an early junior. Mm -hmm. And if we get a if we get a junior Jordan, Jordan Hawkins for the next uh, month, you know, we mm -hmm. can do big things. The ankle's all right? I saw him walking up the stairs in the back, so. Yeah, I, I think uh, he was just trying to sell the foul that they didn't call before oh, is that they what called it was? the second foul. <laughs> <there>. yeah. <laughs> all right, so last thing I got for you. Ed Cooley in the press conference said that part of the reason that they were so messed up offensively was the $2 beer night, right? <laughs> is that going to be something where it becomes a consistent thing? I'm putting you on the spot now. Can UConn fans expect $2 beer night more often? Because, I mean, it works. Yeah, get them drunk, and, and you never know what's going to happen. I mean, again, much has been publicized about you know the XL UConn relationship mm -hmm. in terms of the finances of it, and how it's n not really beneficial to u the university. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm begging for the for the two dollar beer night, maybe even a buck fifty. <laughs> just get worse beer. Yeah. You know, or just get worse beer. I, I don't. Uh, you know, Milwaukee's back. Just get worse beer and charge maybe a, a buck. Uh, these people aren't going to care. No, that was no. awesome tonight. Yeah, I mean, that it was. was that was uh, that was gamble at its best. Mm -hmm. All right, so you guys beat Providence by 18. You're back and rolling. You deserve something better than a two dollar beer tonight. Let's celebrate, <laughs> man. Thank you for being here. Let's go. I got it. Danny Hurley, Huskies get their 21st win. UConn now 10-7 and in the Big East and 14-2 and at home on the year. We've got a break after this, breaking down a wild one between South Carolina and second-ranked Alabama. Crimson Tide on the ropes in a week of off-the-court controversy and drama. All that and more next. This is the Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM College, Channel 84. You're clear. All right. Um, I don't know what happened with the chat. I don't know what happened with the interview. The full thing is going to be yes. posted up on um, on YouTube. That's uh, the fun of live yeah, video say, production. Welcome to live production, chat. Yep. Sometimes <laughs> things go wrong. What's going on tonight, Dagan? What questions do we have? We got a two-point game here between the Gamecocks and Tide. Yeah, so I was scrambling a bit, so I didn't get the, the chance to uh, to check out the chat as much, obviously, with that interview there. So I did see one earlier um, asking kind of about the Big East Rookie of the Year race. 
Do you guys have? Hold on. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Brandon Miller has tied the game. He has tied the game. Alabama and South Carolina. My feed, are, my feed is going. so my feed is so far behind. <laughs> I'm watching. Miller sends hey, a chat, game in listen, overtime. If you see me, I'm looking at you guys right now. If you see me go like this, it's because I have the feed for Alabama, South Carolina up next to the Zoom. So Fanta, I have you covered up right now. Your pretty face, I can't see it. Uh, on XM, Rob, that's okay. You don't have to. You, you see enough of me for thirty like seconds. An hour and a half every week. I mean, uh, Rob, we have thirty seconds before we come off this break. We're following on on XM uh, this game, but like. This is wild here. Brandon Miller's tying a game. It's going into overtime. We know what's happened off the court, and here you go here. Alabama and South Carolina of all matchups. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let's go, into, let's go into um into into Miller and Oates, and then we can yep. talk about the game. Here we go. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. On this Wednesday night, I'm John Fanta. Rob Dolster is with us from Gamble Pavilion tonight where UConn beat Providence. Thanks to Dan Hurley again for joining us. All right. Alabama, the second-ranked team in the land, is going into overtime with South Carolina. They're tied at 68, a wild game down in Columbia. This comes on the heels of what has been, frankly, a chaotic, dramatic, eventful last 36 hours for Alabama men's basketball in that athletic department. The latest on the Brandon Miller uh, saga uh, in, in relation to the terrible, tragic shooting death of Jamia Harris back in January is that, folks, for those who have not heard, Brandon's attorney, uh, clarified Brandon's presence tonight uh, in a statement, in a press release uh, that that went through the fact that Brandon, you know, he he really did not have, uh, this is according to the attorney, the involvement, um, you know, with the gun, was not even aware that it was in the vehicle at first um, as he was giving rides out that evening that it happened. Rob, let's get to your reaction to this full attorney statement that that really uh made the attempt to set the record straight here to set the record straight on brandon miller's role in this shooting and in the the delivery of the handgun yeah so essentially to to paraphrase you could you could check it out we have it up on the field of 68 twitter account but essentially what the attorney said is that brandon miller drove darius miles to um a nightclub uh, that Darius Miles left uh, a legal handgun in the backseat of Brandon Miller's car. Um, Brandon Miller did not realize it was there until uh, a couple hours later, Darius Miles asked him to come back and texted him to bring his gun back. Um, Brandon Miller brought it back, was not involved in handing the gun off, did not realize that there was a uh, an altercation. Um, and the one, one key note that I think was, uh, that, that the lawyer clarified is that when he parked the car, the, the, um, the other car pulled up behind them after they had already parked. And then here's the most important, uh, most important, uh, segment of the statement. All of the events described are clearly captured on video. There is no dispute about Brandon's activities during this evening, um, which, you know, I, it's one thing for a defense attorney to come out and defend his client. It's another thing if they have all of that on video. Uh, this, to me, would explain why uh, Brandon Miller has not been suspended and has not been charged. Uh, I I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of whether or not um, he should be playing right now. Uh, I think it's I think it's 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 a difficult conversation to have because, on the one hand, uh, do you want to punish a player? that is not charged with anything legally. But on the other hand, he was very clearly involved and there's a very easy out there. Um, I do think that uh, it's it's a situation where I don't want the focus necessarily to be on um, what happened with this decision of whether or not to play him. Because I think the most important thing is that uh, there is a five-year-old child that doesn't have a mother anymore. And, and it's just, it's it's sad. I hate that this is something that we're continuing to talk about. It feels like we're talking about it every week 
on the show when we just want to talk about college basketball. And I, I, it just, it's a sad situation where we are in this country with that. Yeah. So here's my take on this and I don't want to dwell on it too long because frankly, and that's why Rob, I didn't give, I'm not going to come out of a break folks and, and, and give you the full report word by word. Okay. Mm -hmm. We, we, we told you and we paraphrase paraphrase there of, of what went on. Um, The fact is, there's a couple of facts here. Number one, Darius Miles still asked for Miller to come get him and to come bring him uh, the gun. And the attorney mm-hmm. says that in the statement, and Miller did that. Now, um, the attorney clears it up with with the fact that all of this is on video and that Miller's role in the actual shooting and the incident that occurred, um, his role is non-existent in, in that regard on video. I mean, he didn't play a part in it. So... Here's here's my thought process with this. The thought process with this is we could talk until the sun rises on whether or not Brandon Miller should be playing for Alabama. But what we all would agree on are two things. Number one, the lack of transparency in this entire situation has totally doomed everyone involved in it. And that is firmly an indictment on all the quote-unquote, adults in the room that are supposed to be at the forefront of these types of things. Brandon Miller's a kid, folks. I know he can make his own decisions. He can do all that. He's a kid. Okay, you were all his age at one point, and we all were doing, uh, frankly, not not these things, but we were all that, that age, okay? The adults and their ability, rather inability to communicate correctly, has resulted in a trickle-down effect that led us to getting to an attorney statement today that had to clear the air. Frankly, Rob, that attorney statement was needed here. I mean, that that yes. statement was that statement is so necessary to this entire case. And the fact that it it came tonight, after 24 hours of us saying, what the hell is going on? Where's the leadership here? Where's the accountability? It, it, the fact that Nate Oates went out there, I, I will never be able to fathom. Nate Oates going to a podium and saying the things that he said. Now that makes sense, but it would have made a lot more sense if that statement had come, the attorney statement had come before we heard a lot of the things that Oates was saying. Like the communication here could not be worse. And don't tell me, don't tell me that that could have been fixable and this could have been prevented, right? The, the, the issue that I kind of have with the way that Alabama handled it is one, I think they said, assuming that what the lawyer statement is true. And if it's all backed up on video and Brandon Miller has not been charged with anything, then I, I, I don't, I kind of have to default yes. to believing what what's in there. And there right? is fair. There is something fair to be said that yes, it's a, a defense shock, attorney a, putting out a statement uh, in defense of, yeah. of a defense of a client, which is what he's in a supposed shocking to do. turn of events. A defense attorney did their job today. Yes. Um, but given the fact that they're saying that it's all on video and that there's no dispute for what the account that they just gave and Brandon Miller has not been charged, like I kind of default to believing that that is uh, what happened. Um, the issue to me, the issue kind of centers on the fact that Alabama did not even hint to the idea that Brandon Miller was on the scene. Right. So you get one, you get this idea, like it comes out in court testimony. It gets put out in a story that is publicized by AL.com. And uh, we, we get the shock that, oh, okay, the guy that might be a top five pick and is a first team All-American was at the scene when this happened. And wait, he was the guy that also, according to the court testimony that is written in, it, it was testified by a police officer, which like, again, had, like you kind of had to default to believing what is said in court by a police officer, right? Um that that Brandon Miller brought him the gun and then oh immediately after that like Nate Oates is asked about it and says what he said which like I think if Nate Oates was here right now he'd saying like I don't think I could have handled that statement any worse in that press conference like all of that piling on top of each other is just that's how stuff like this explodes and um I I don't want to come on here and sound like I'm just sitting here flatly defending Nate Oates and flatly defending um Brandon Miller I think you, for me, I think you're going to have to default to the people that are know more of the details. And again, if he's not being charged, I you got to believe that there's a reason he's not being charged. It's just the fact that all of this exploded at once. Like, 
I don't know. I, I think that there was a, a little bit of a failure, failure of leadership. And um, I, I, I don't want to, yeah, it, it sucks that we're still continuing to have to have conversations about this. Like I just, it's a sad state. Well, as we are talking here, um, you know, I, I would just say this. Um, Brandon Miller has 39 points and eight rebounds tonight against South Carolina. And I am not a psychologist and I'm not going to claim to be, but I find it hard to fathom um, that if he wasn't at peace in his whole situation with everything that's happened, because obviously uh, he had to have some knowledge that, that yesterday's news could pop out uh, because we know that NBA circles had this news. They were aware of it. He had to have knowledge that, that yesterday could happen. The, all the news cycle and the discourse. I, I just don't think that someone who is conflicted and phased and rattled and distracted and all of the things above, uh, because it would be very easy for a kid like that to to have all those things going on in their head, would then, the night after all this has occurred, I mean, it is something, it's something theatrical, Rob, that he has scored 39 points for Alabama tonight against South Carolina. Yeah, it's um that's it's quite a performance. Like he's he's an unbelievable player. Like I think we all we all knew that. It's not something that was a surprise. Yeah. It's a it's a complicated situation. Um the discourse to me has been based on everything that we've seen. We can only go off what we read and see and now tonight a professional statement from an attorney. Uh, that's that's very direct. The discourse itself, the discourse itself has been worse and more chaotic than it would appear Miller's role was. Like that's that's the craziest thing about it is that again, the adults the adults in the room have not handled this well. Yes, that's all. where that's where I I, I, I land on it. And by the way, before we, we reset here, we, we do have someone who is saying, uh, because we, we engage with our chat members, uh, they're telling us that, that we're wrong about Miles asking Miller to bring the gun. Rob, that happened. That's legitimately in the statement, is it there's not? A, there's a text message in yeah, like, that, the evidence. Folks, the that happened. whether or not, like, I don't want to get into the legal details because it's impossible to to know we don't have all of the, the information so i don't want to get into the legal details but yes that's the um the story that has been given to us and with one second left brandon miller has made a layup for alabama to put them ahead 78 to 76 on south carolina uh frankly one of the more unbelievable perform uh, okay Brandon Miller has just put up the most unbelievable performance of the college basketball season. I'm just, I'm just going to say it right now. I don't care who the opponent is. All right. You're playing South Carolina. You have everything off the court happening. And he has gone for 41 points and may have just hit the game winner against the Gamecocks. That's (laughs) it's that, that is unbelievable. An unbelievable performance. I don't know. There's nothing else to say about it. It's terrific. It's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you, Rob. I wish we didn't have to talk about it either. Nobody wants it's it's not something that's desirable to speak about, but it is very real. And we follow this game here on Sirius XM, which is what we're gonna do right now. Uh, Brandon Miller. Wow. It's all that needs to be said. Mm-hmm. That go final, guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. See here as we're, as we're waiting to come on. Uh, Alabama in a thriller with South Carolina. And Brandon Miller with 41 points here tonight. It's been a wild night in college basketball uh, because you've got Blue Bloods here in Kentucky and North Carolina, uh, both winning. Kentucky beating Florida on the road. They certainly look like uh, they're in a position uh, as it looks like South Carolina's taking a timeout with one second in overtime. And I'm getting word here we can throw to a break. So here's what we're going to do. Because that game is held up here in overtime, and that's the game that we are following on SiriusXM. We're going to take a timeout. After this, we'll give you a quick recap of South Carolina and Alabama. And then we'll hit on the Blue Bloods in action tonight. It was a huge night. A huge night. And at halftime tonight, North Carolina looked like their season was going to be on life support. What happened in the final 20 minutes? Plus... Could Kentucky be dangerous in March? I'm going to ask Rob Doster that question. All that and more on After Dark. You're clear. Dagan, we got anything in the chat? What do we got, Dagan? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, we'll go back to the one I talked about earlier. Obviously, hard to transition out of a conversation like that into some some questions. So we'll keep this kind of generic. But your thoughts on Big East Rookie of the Year race? Is it wrapped up? Who's the guy? What are your thoughts? It's wrapped up. Alex Caravan wins it. He's my rookie of the year. Rob? <laughs> I'm gonna let I'm gonna default to the Big East expert on that one because I don't want to be called biased. But uh yes, Alex Caravan's the best freshman in the Big East. He might be the best freshman in America. Uh he probably should be a top ten pick. Um MVP, hang his banner on the Raptors. Hang his jersey in the banners. Man, I'm tired. <laughs> Uh, next one, I know we may get to these guys, but we'll, we'll do it quickly. Uh, Virginia, are you guys concerned with them at all? Obviously, lost to Boston College tonight. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on the Cavaliers? Uh, we got to hit on them later, but I am very, very much concerned with them. Very, very yeah. much concerned with them. And it, it's not just this loss. It is uh, the underwhelming performances that led into this loss. Yep, I'm very – I'm, I'm gravely worried about them. To score 48 points against Boston College – um, they they are extremely limited on the offensive end of the 15. Floor. They're in a tough way. Absolutely. Huh. The ACC is so mid. There you go. It's the field of 68 after dark on this Wednesday night, February 22nd, 2023. John Fanta, Rob Doster, with you going deep into the night, we just wrapped up here on Sirius XM College Channel 84, Alabama winning in overtime over South Carolina. Crimson Tides survive a scare past the Gamecocks, and they take it in OT. So, Alabama wins that game. Let's turn to the Blue Bloods, and we begin with what happened down in Gainesville tonight. Kentucky. The Wildcats coming off that statement went over Tennessee and looking like the part of a team that not only is on the right side in the bubble, but maybe could make some noise in the NCAA tournament. Kentucky 82, Florida 74. The Wildcats have won three in a row. Rob Doster, how much are you willing? If I gave you 10 bucks, all right, and 10 being the most that you would put into the pot here. Okay, on a scale of, of, of a buck to ten dollars, how much would you put in the Kentucky Wildcats pot? Um, excuse me, I'm I'm pretty in on them right now. Uh, I think that not like compared eight, to not $8? compared to 
eight dollars seven dollars i mean it like are we talking about winning a national title good or are we talking about like they can get to a second weekend good because you know i'm in i'm in on them being a second weekend team I, I think look they've won they've won three straight they're starting to get a little bit more healthy you know i i know that they've lost some games but cj frederick has been banged up severe wheeler has been banged up case and wallace missed a game in there um i don't think oscar Shibway. he still looks like someone that was dealing with a, a, a knee surgery in the offseason uh, I think that they are trending in the right direction. I think that they have already reached the, the a spot where you can say they they're in the right direction, right? And they've got three straight quad one wins and a sweep over Tennessee. Now, the SEC outside of Alabama is not great, John. We've talked about this before, and I don't. I, I think Arkansas is probably the team with the second highest ceiling in my mind, especially with Nick Smith back. I, I might put Kentucky third. I know. Is that crazy? Like, I, I no. think Alabama, Alabama is a final four national title contender. Um, Arkansas is like one of those teams is going to end up being a seven seed that everyone's going to have their trendy pick be to the elite eight. Right. I think Kentucky, I think they can climb up to like that, that eight, nine, 10 seed line. And they're going to give someone a hell of a fight. They're going to give a one seed or a two seed, a hell of a fight in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And the thing that stood out to me tonight, Oscar Sheboy, 12 for 13 from the floor. And he wasn't like he was crashing the offensive glass, getting second chance opportunities. You know, they found a way to make it work with him. Kaysen Wallace didn't play great tonight, but he played well enough to get the job done. Uh, that's that is a team that has talent, that has pieces, that has the reigning national player of the year, that has a lottery pick, and that has a bunch of guys that are getting healthy. Like maybe that might have been look, it, it took Cal a while to figure out what his best lineup was, but once he did, then they kind of got bit by the injury bug. So I'm I'm in on on Kentucky being a threat, and you know I said this the other day on the DTF podcast, and I got ripped for it a little bit, Fanta. I think you have to give Cal some credit for the job that he's done riding the ship, because it could have been very easy for this thing to go completely off the rails. Look at North Carolina, look at where they are right now, right? Look at what's going on with them. They needed a uh, a last second when they ended up winning that game against Notre Dame, right? They held on to win. They did. Um, so they ended up needing that win to avoid having their bubble chances completely blown up. Meanwhile, Kentucky, they've won three in a row. They won at Mississippi State, which is not an easy place to win. They swept Tennessee. They just won at Florida. I know Florida doesn't have Colin Castleton. Doesn't matter. That's not an easy place to win. So um, I, I think that they've kind of figured this thing out. I think you have to give Cal a little bit of credit for making sure that everyone kept pulling in that same direction. John Calipari does deserve credit. And if we're going to criticize him when Kentucky's failing, we need to credit him when he's having success. And I will give Coach Cal credit. How has Kentucky been able to figure something out? Well, you mentioned a bunch of different points that are very valid. I would submit this. To me, it's very rare in college basketball for a player who has not tallied a double-double in his first 20-some-odd games to now have back-to-back double-doubles at the basically the end of February. Chris mm-hmm. Livingston, Chris Livingston has figured something out. In his last two games, he's combined for 22 points and 25 rebounds. He now has scored in double figures in four of the last five games. Before this stretch of four out of five in double figures, Livingston has scored in double figures twice all season. And you know Something what else it is? Has clicked there. I, I think it's. I think part of it is confidence. I think part of it is getting consistent playing time. Um, but I'll tell you what: the most important part, he's never going to be a great shooter, right? That's probably going to be a knock on him, and that's probably going to end up being the reason that he has, doesn't end up being a first round pick this year. But he's making enough of them right now that you gotta you gotta run him off the three point line, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, when it comes to shooting, it's not necessarily the threes that you make that matter. Right. When we talk about spacing and when we talk about shooters, when we talk about all that, it is the threat of having to make a three. It is forcing a defense to respect you and come out and guard you. Right. That's what we see with a guy like Andre Jackson. Not to turn it back to UConn, but he's the easiest and the most obvious example. Teams don't guard him. That's why you lose spacing because you could play 20 feet off of him. Chris Livingston shoots it well enough that you cannot play 20 feet off of him. And if you have Chris Livingston, Jacob Toppin, Casey Wallace, 
Antonio Reeves, CJ Frederick. You have three of those, the guys, four of those guys on the floor at the same time, then you're going to be able to create some space for Oscar Shibuya in the paint. He was 12 for 13 tonight, finished with 25 points. It all works in conjunction. It all works together. Fanta, you know what is not working together right now? Your North Carolina Tar Heels. You know how many assists they had in the first half tonight? Exactly zero. Yep. Do you know what Tyler Hansborough, when he comes on after dark, you know what he says consistently more than anything else? North Carolina wins games when they get assists. They found a way to get it done. They needed to scrape by a North a Notre Dame team that is two and 14 in the ACC that has a lame duck head coach. But man, I know you, you buried these guys the other night. Are you still on that 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 train? Are they done? Oh, the shovel was put away in the shed. My job is done. My work here is done. I am not going to back away from my claim. Oh, oh, North Carolina won a game tonight, sixty-three to fifty-nine, over a ten and eighteen Notre Dame team. Stop it! You get nothing from me. Absolutely nothing. Go over to the Notre Dame Grotto in South Bend and you pray to Mary that you got out of there with a win tonight. You shot two for 23 from three-point land. Two for 23! Defensively, they allowed Notre Dame, who is not the most athletic team in the country. You all know where I'm going with this. They allowed Notre Dame to get in the lane, drive the lane, and get somewhat easy looks at the bucket. Yet again, I will say it, if this was any other team outside of North Carolina, we wouldn't be talking about them. In fact, we would be looking at a bubble team and say they beat Notre Dame by four points. Wow, what a thread-the-needle win for them. No, not at all. They're among the first state out in the NCAA tournament conversations and all the bracketologies and whatnot. I will go ahead and say I was wrong if they make the field of 68. I will say I was wrong. I'll tell you when I'm wrong. I'm not somebody who's going to avoid telling you that when I'm wrong. But there's nothing that would suggest tonight that this team has figured something out. A win over Notre Dame, who has a head coach on his way out, does not suggest anything. They scored yeah, 19 here's, here's the points other thing, in the first Fanta. half. Here, here's the other thing is they, they still don't have a quad one win. Right, unless unless no. the numbers change and someone popped up to number twenty nine, I don't have it in front of me. Um, they don't have a quad one win. They only have two more opportunities to do it. One of those opportunities, Virginia just got fifteen piece on the road at BC. Virginia, Virginia, who struggled with these very same Fighting Irish, who have not looked right in like probably three weeks. I, I just you don't have the opportunities to get the big wins that you're going to be able to, that, that you're going to need well, to get. Right. And, and that's, Duke, and that's Duke, just we it. Beat Duke at home. Here's the thing. Duke is like, I think they're 39th in the net. That's Duke just at home, it. Again, not a quad one win. That's just it, Rob. We're, we're labeling this as if they beat Virginia and Duke on their home floor, then they're in. I mean, maybe they will be, but let's not just lock them in. Folks, this is not this is not Virginia and Duke that you think of here. Duke is solid. They're solid. Yeah. Here's Virginia, here's Virginia's Virginia here's Virginia's last four games. Oh, Virginia. These are Virginia's stock. last four games. They played Duke at home and they should have lost if the officials made the call that they were supposed to make on Kyle Filipowski getting fouled. They played at Louisville, they won by three, scored 61 points. They played home against these same fighting Irish. They won by two, scored 57 points. They played on the road against the Boston College team that's not going anywhere this season. They scored 48 points and lost by 15. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a believer. I think this says a lot about what the uh, ACC is. And frankly, outside of Miami and NC State, I'm not sure that there's a team that I would say is a real Final Four threat. Now, that said, I, I, I like where Duke is. I'm, I'm, I feel the I same way about Duke that I feel about Kentucky in that they've gotten themselves to the point where I think that they're good enough to win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the problem, and then we got a break. A lot of people say, and I get it, folks out there. I, I know you, you might look at this take and say, John, you don't make enough sense. 
you can both say that a league is not very good because this league is not very good while also stating that the league could send two or three teams to the NCAA tournament second weekend. You know why? It's the NCAA tournament. It's the wildest postseason in sports. By the same token, when Big Ten teams don't go on deep runs, and we all say the Big Ten stinks, the Big Ten this, the Big Ten that, that performance doesn't have a reflection on how many teams a league gets into the NCAA tournament for the depth that they have in the season that they put together. We'll talk about that. We'll wrap things up by going around the country with more Rob's thoughts coming up here. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Sirius XM, Channel 84. And you're clear. All right, Fanta, I got one for you, okay? I'm going to I'm gonna ping you on this. There have been two teams that were preseason number one that missed the end, that, that, uh, that were ranked outside of a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. UConn in 2000. They were ranked preseason number one after winning the national title. And Kentucky in 2014, they were preseason number one with like the Julius Randle year when they got the Harrison Twins, okay? There have been four teams since 1985 that went from unranked to winning a national title. 1985 Villanova, 2003 Syracuse, 2006 Florida before the, the, um, the, when they were not the, not the second year, the first year. And 2011 UConn, the Kemba Walker season, right? Got the jersey on right now. Both of those things could happen this season. North Carolina missing the tournament and an unranked team winning a national title. A preseason unranked team winning a national title. Purdue, Marquette, a couple other teams. So what what is more likely here? What do you think is the more likely result? Carolina not getting in the tournament or one of those teams winning Mm. No, Carolina not getting in the NCAA tournament because the the climate of the sport is crazy. Anything could happen. North Carolina, to me, it's not. It, I got not, dollars. No. Dollars of donuts says that North Carolina is a plane if they beat Virginia and Duke. Okay, we'll see. Five. I don't see it, but. It's the Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM College, Channel 84. John Fanta with you tonight. Rob Dowster, who was on hand for Providence and UConn. He's coming to us from Gamble Pavilion. Again, the Huskies, a winner, 87-69 to in a top-20 showdown, UConn. They asserted themselves tonight, and they just showed the current climate, the current climate of college basketball, like UConn starting the season 14-0. They went through their rough patch. They did. Mm-hmm. There's teams who have gone through a rough patch. Baylor went through a rough patch this season. Kansas lost three games in a row in Big 12 play, and they, they're playing as well as anybody. I mean, I keep revisiting this with you, but as we as we talk in the towards the end of February, how many teams, ballpark it, how many teams could you foresee winning a national championship in this sport this season? probably like 15 different teams this year. Cause like at the end of the day, the way that you got to think about it is how many teams can beat the best team in college basketball, best team in college basketball is Houston this year. Probably. Right. You can make the argument. It's not, but probably is. And I, I just don't think that they are so utterly dominant that you are like as scared of them as you've been of like 2021 Baylor or 2018 Villanova or 2015 Kentucky or 2012 Kentucky, 20, uh, 2009 North Carolina. So I, I think a lot of teams, like, let's just go conference by conference. I think there's five teams in the Big East that are, well, you know what? Let me say four teams in the Big East that are capable of winning four straight games in the NCAA tournament. If you win four straight, you get to the Final Four, anything can happen. Um, I would put Xavier in that conversation if we have a guarantee that, that Zach Fremantle is going to be healthy. In the Big 12, I think that there's five. There's five more. Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State, TCU, and Texas, right? I think there's two in the Pac-12. I think there's one in the SEC. I think that there is one in the American, right? And I think that there is probably two in the Big Ten. I'm going to say Purdue, and it's going to be crazy. You might think I'm crazy, but I'm still, in on, I'm still in on Indiana being able to make a run. Especially wow. Especially if Xavier Johnson back. Wow. I thought you would so say like, Illinois. I thought you would say Illinois, just being honest. No, Illinois just I, I something's gonna happen with them. 
Yeah, I got <laughs> just you. Like, I got you. They're, they're going to have a bad night. Illinois, they're 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 not consistent enough to win four straight. But like, I just all of those th- would that surprise anybody if any of those teams found a way to make a run? No. I mean, shit, I wouldn't be that surprised if Kentucky got to the Final Four. Would you? No, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all because they have a lineup that. They what about Miami? What if, if Miami defend. got to the Final Four? Would that surprise you? I, I actually think Miami's making the Elite Eight. I really do. I don't even need to see what their draw is. They're one of the teams that I think is absolutely capable of it because Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack can do what they did over the weekend when they combined for 51 points in, in a win over Wake Forest. And, and you know what? That's the thing. Folks, we get a lot of talk sometimes on the ACC that like, wow, you're being overly critical or all this. You know, Jeff Capel came out earlier this week, talked about media coverage of the league. Folks, Robin, yeah, Rob. Can't I just roll like, my eyes hard enough. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. In games. Let me, let me In tell games. you something. Let me tell you something, folks. As as much as Virginia's been poor the past two weeks, Miami looks great. And folks, Kevin Keats and NC State are a legitimate dark horse in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they they blew out Wake Forest mm-hmm. tonight, ninety to seventy four. Jarkel Joyner is on a mission right now. He goes for twenty nine points tonight. Back to Joyner. that twenty nine point performances, man. He is he could play, and he's the second best guard on their team. Yeah, That's crazy. He, he scored twenty six or more in three of his last four games. Like how when you think of offensive firepower right now, NC State, they're right up there. Not just in the ACC, folks. We're talking teams around the country, like teams, Rob, that you legitimately fear for how they can score the ball. Mm-hmm. NC State's top fifteen in that conversation right now. They yes. they are deep. Yes, absolutely. They have the the thing that I always look for for teams that are a little bit off the radar that can make a run. Great guard play. I mean, look, look for teams that have two guards. You know who had two guards? Kemba Walker and Shabazz Napier. Those are two guards. You know who had two guards? Ryan Boatwright and Shabazz Napier. You know who had two guards? Louisville when they had Russ Smith and Peyton Siva. You know who had two guards? Baylor when they won it. You know who had two guards? Uh, Virginia when they won it. You know who had 27 guards? Villanova when they won it. And it was, <laughs> NC State's got two guards when things break down that can go get you a bucket. And you know what? They play a style that's difficult to prepare for. If you haven't seen a team that presses you, and how can you not root for DJ Burns? I love him. You know how you got McDonald's All-Americans? He is an all-McDonald's American. I love him. I want to go to lunch with that kid. I want to do a feature on him. I love DJ Burns. I need a T-shirt because I would would absolutely rock it. Hey. Fielding the 68 is every Monday and Friday. Our bracketologists do an amazing job at the Field of 68. It's 5 Eastern time every Monday and Friday. One of their teams in the last four in was in action tonight, Wisconsin. The Badgers had to have it in many respects. They they got it. They get their 16th win of the year. Final score, 64-52 over Iowa. What happened? Connor Sejian was hitting shots. He goes for 17 points. Chucky Hepburn goes for 12 points, five assists. And you know what? It hasn't always been pretty. Tyler Wall goes for 11 and 14. We've talked about him, Rob. Like, with a kid like Tyler Wall on your team, you're maneuvering through the bubble. Here's what you can say. Wall's a leader. And I think Wisconsin, it might be in Dayton. I think they're going to be in the field. They're going to find their way in. You want to know what I think, Fanna? I think that the fact that we're saying we think Wisconsin this year is going to be in the field is all the evidence you need that we don't yeah. need to expand the NCAA tournament, man. Come on. Come no, on. You we watch don't. watch them play? I know. We don't. Hey, we got two minutes. So, toast of the night. Where are you going for your toast of the night? Fire away. I am. So, I'm in New England right now. I'm in Storrs, Connecticut. About an hour and a half north of me, there's a little town called Burlington, Vermont. I'm heading up to visit the Catamounts to visit John Becker, and to visit the America East regular season champions. Vermont clinched the America East regular season tonight, title tonight with the win, 12-2 and two in that conference. Bryant's in that conference. UMass Lowell's in that conference. It's going to be a fun conference. Our guy, the Twitterless, Terrence Oglesby, uh, is going to be calling that conference title game. So uh, shout-out to UVM. Shout-out to the Cats. Uh, big win. Go, John Becker. Hey, Terrence is over on FS1 right now if you want late night hoops. New Mexico is at Boise State. That's a very important bubble game for our fielding the 68 crew. New Mexico up 48-44 on Boise State. I'm looking up and down through the slate. You know what? 
I, I, I think about who I'm going to toast here tonight. And I'm going to toast Kentucky. I'm actually going to toast Kentucky. I love it. You know what? We have been very cold to them, and it's been a disappointing year for the most part. But you know what? When crap hit the fan and it all looked like it was going to come crashing down, Oscar Sheepway tonight was fantastic. As you said, 12 for 13. Those freshmen are getting better. I'm toasting them because I, I'm believing in them to not just make the NCAA tournament, but to make a run. We got a run here as the seconds weighing down for Rob Doster, for Como, for Dagan Hughes. I'm John Fanta. Thanks so much for joining us on After Dark. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 11 Eastern time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.